I love my job. Uh, I enjoy what I do, but honestly, there are days when, uh, when it's work. Uh, when I was in college, the first time uh, around, I had a variety of majors. I was in computer science for a little while. I was in journalism for a little while. I was undeclared for a little while. I was trying to figure out things, and then eventually I went into respiratory therapy. I enjoyed being a respiratory therapist, but it was work. You've heard me talk about my days even as an EMT. I enjoyed being an EMT and, and working in that ambulance, but it was work. I, I love being a pastor, but it is work. Uh, how many here have worked in your life? I, I, all of us have, right? I mean, we, we've, we've worked, we, we've done those things. Uh, we, all of us have done that. Uh, even if you don't have a job that brings in a paycheck, it's mo more likely that you're working one of the most difficult jobs, uh, taking care of your family. One of my favorite TV shows has always been uh, Dirty Jobs. I don't know if you, if you know that TV show, Dirty Jobs. The host, Mike Rowe, joins people in, in jobs that you may not have known even existed before you watched the show. Uh, jobs like golf ball diver. It's a job. Somebody gets paid to do that. Um, owl vomit collector. It's a job. <laughs> Somebody has that job. Uh, shark coroner. Roadkill cleaner upper. And in fact, I actually had that job uh, one summer uh, in college. And uh, most of these jobs are, are things where most of us would say, I'm glad somebody else is doing that job. I don't want to do that job. I don't want to be a leather tanner. I, I don't want to be a snake wrangler. These are things that Mike Rowe has shown up and he's done those jobs. We'd say, I'd, I'd rather that person does that job. I don't want to do that. Like being God. I don't want that job. Do you want that job? Aren't you glad that there's a God that can be God and it doesn't have to be us, right? Uh, controlling my own life is chaotic enough, much less controlling the lives and being part of the lives of 8 billion people here on the face of the earth. I can't even imagine that. And so when it comes to, to God, there are those that that think that God has created the world and then he just decided to be hands off from, from there on out. And uh, there's a name for that. It's called deism. They're, they're called deists. And deists believe that God existed, but he's not directly involved in his creation any longer. Uh, deism pictures God as maybe like that great clock maker who's created the clock and, and he winds up the clock, but then he just lets it go to just to work for itself. A deist believes that God created and created the world, but he's not interfering in his creation any longer. But yet as we read the Bible, as we read the account of God, there are plenty of times where we see God showing up and where God is directly involved in the life of his creation. And many of these situations, if we could take them and put them on that show, Dirty Jobs, uh, Mike Rowe would have to do some of those things, and he would probably say, I don't want this job. I want to give this job back to God. Uh, Mike Rowe is a host, and he's not afraid of getting his hands dirty, but our God, the heavenly host, is also not afraid to get his hands dirty in his creation in our life, meaning he's not afraid to get involved. And God has been constantly involved in our life from day one. 
And so we're going to take a few weeks here and we're going to highlight a God who's not only willing to involve himself in our daily lives, but he's not afraid to get his hands dirty and be part of our life with us. And more than seeing God involved in our life, we need to see the personality of of God um, and see how that personality of God needs to be reflected in our lives as well. And so each week we're going to have a, a video like that to introduce uh, the, the sermon. A lot of these have been produced by our denomination. They were used to, uh, to be part of the services in our general assembly this summer uh, in Indianapolis. And the one we started out with obviously was entitled Love. And I don't know if you caught the, the first part of that video, those first words right at the beginning. It says, this world needs more love, above all more compassion, So should you take action? Are you the one or should we keep waiting? No rush. But while you are hesitating, there's someone within your reach who needs to learn what you can teach. So from the very beginning, God has created us to participate in the dirty jobs of life with him. The dirty job of redeeming his creation. And he's calling upon us to join with him in this dirty job. Now, since we're talking about creation, there, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of different theories about how God created the world. Did God create the world in six days or did he take millions of years to do it? Uh, and we could debate these theories all day long, but I think we're kind of missing the point here. Um, I heard this analogy uh, the other week and it, it stuck with me. Let me share this with you. A man had tickets to a play one night at a great playhouse. Yet as he was making his way to the theater, he was caught in traffic and he arrived about a half an hour too late. The play had already started, but when intermission came later, he leaned over to the gentleman next to him and he said, I'm sorry, I'm late. Would you mind catching me up? How did this all begin? Oh, the man said, well, you see, The script for this particular play was written in 1930. No, 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 no. That's not the information I need, he said. That's not what I meant. And so the lady on the other side interjected and said, well, I think I can help. You see, the set designer gathered his team and they designed the set by, and the man said, no, that's that's not what I mean. It's not the set that I'm asking about. And just so the gentleman behind them overheard the conversation and leaned in to say, Well, I think it's important that you should know all about the casting director and how he decided to to cast all of the different parts in the play. And no, the man said. He said, all I want to know is what's happened from the beginning. And I think that's kind of an analogy for us when when we look at these, these stories of creation and the origins that we have in our Bible. Now, the script, the set... And the actors are all important, important, but they're not the whole story, right? They, they're part of the story, but change when the script was written or change how the set was designed or even some of the people within the story. And the story of God is still going to be the same. See, the script, the set, the cast of our story are important, but they're the first three pages, 
There's a whole rest of the story of God in in the Bible. They contain important theological principles for sure, and they're worthy to be studied. They're, They're worthy of debate, but the story of God goes much deeper than the first three pages. See, again, I don't want you to get me wrong. I believe that the study of creation is super important. Yet I also believe that we spent so much time on how God created the universe that we forget the greater question is why did God create the universe? Of course, all this implies that we have to believe that God is the one who has created everything. We can't believe uh, different things about, we can believe different things about how God created the earth, but we, we can't deny that it was God's handiwork in all of it. Genesis 1.1, the very first verse of the Bible says, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In fact, over a hundred times in the Bible, it refers to God as the maker of heaven and earth. A hundred, over a hundred times, you're going you're gonna to read those words that God was the maker of heaven and earth. You cannot separate God from his role as the creator. We can't do that. But I experience God through his creation. It's just one way that God speaks to, to me. I'm a nature guy, meaning I'm, I'm more likely to see God. I'm more likely to experience God in, in, in his creation. I see him in the sunsets. I see him in the mountain range. I could even experience God by looking through a microscope or, or looking through a telescope. I experience God through nature. But as majestic as I think the mountains are, I cannot become enamored by the goodness of all the created things and forget the goodness of the creator himself. God is the maker of all things. There's so much to love about creation. There's so much to love about this world that he gave us. But, but what's most spectacular is not the vast oceans or, or, or the detail when you look at an infant at a baby's hand. It's not the incredible sunset that he gives us. It's, it's not the wonder of creation. It's the creator that made all of it that's the most awe-inspiring. See, human... Failure and brokenness is the, uh, the origin of our sin results from us loving the creation more than we love the creator. So perhaps we, we look at this God who, who created the world. We look at this God who's not afraid to get his hands dirty. And the most important thing we can do is remind ourselves of who this creator is and what is this creator like. So what is God like as creator? God as a creator doesn't create things the same way that you and I create things. And and thank goodness that God has made people, humans, creative. Uh, Thank goodness, isn't it great that Pastor Jake and Pastor Rebecca and and all these teams are are creative people and they came here this morning and they created all this wonderful and, and beautiful music for us, but they don't create things like God creates see people can only take existing materials like things like instruments and 
and, and wood and use them to shape them into something else. The woodworker will, will cut wood apart, glue it back together and, and make some amazing furniture. Or the sculptor just carves existing marble into a wonderful uh, sculpture. The musician, the, the vocalist manipulate air waves and, and sound waves and create beautiful music. And we can look at them and, and listen to all the beautiful things that they've created, but they've merely taken what has already existed and repackaged it into something else. But God took nothing and made it into something. Scholars re refer to this as ex nihilo, uh, which means that God just made something out of nothing. The author of Hebrews says it this way. Uh, he says, what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Meaning God didn't manipulate stuff in order to make other stuff. He made something out of nothing. One of those songs that we just sang, one of my, my, my favorite songs, and I asked Pastor Rebecca to, to sing it this, this weekend, So Will I. I want you to listen to uh, some of these words of that song that we sang. God of creation, there at the start, before the beginning of time, with no point of reference, you spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of light. And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born, and in the vapor of your breath, the planets form. It's amazing. It's amazing to look at creation, but it's even more amazing to look at our creator, and so again, the question of how God created the world is interesting. We've debated that for thousands of years. Uh, but I'm not sure that the author of Genesis in, in those first three pages was wanting us to look at the, uh, the Bible as a science textbook. I think the point here in Genesis chapters 1 through 3 was to highlight God as the creator and to tell us that God as the creator created Everything that we know and everything that we see out of nothing. He was there and then there was something. Only God can do that. Not Darwin, not science, not mankind. And no matter what you believe about how God created, all theories have to come to some sort of origin theory. And it all goes back to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. At some point, there was nothing that existed besides God. And at the sound of his voice, there was something. That's our creator. Uh, many of you know that as, when I was growing up, my dad was a biology teacher, and so I was raised trying to answer the question and trying to figure out how things worked. And I would look at creation, and I would approach creation like that biologist. See, a biologist dissects things. A biologist takes things apart and tries to figure out how they work. But sometimes the bigger question, and maybe even the more important question, is why that thing exists in the first place. And so when I was in uh, college at Olivet, I took an ecology class. Now, this was very different for me. I've never 
studied ecology uh, before. And uh, so where the biologist tries to study the question of how, the ecologist looks at creation and tries to answer the question, why? Why did God create us? Why did God get his hands dirty by creating human beings? What was the reason uh, behind God deciding that human beings needed to walk on this planet? And there are times when I think, uh, I feel like the man who says, you know, I've got a clock that tells me when to get up, but I need a clock to tell me why I need to get up. (laughs) See, I can lay in my bed all morning and hit that snooze button, and some of you did that this morning as well, but eventually the why is what gets you out of bed, not just the how. It shouldn't be surprising that Genesis, that that first book in our Bible, which is the book of of origins, tells us early on about the who that created us, but it also tells us why God created us. Why the supreme creator who needed nothing else, needed nothing to fulfill himself, he didn't need creation, he didn't need us, why did he even bother to create human beings? And so that's what we're going to try to answer uh, this morning. Why did God create us? Why did he create humans? You know, as you, as you look at art, as you look at uh, all those great artists of the past, each of them has their shining achievement. Or, or maybe it's the most famous of, of their works. And if we look at Leonardo da Vinci, his crowning achievement was probably the Mona Lisa, although I, in my opinion, there's greater works of his, but... Uh, maybe the Last Supper, but the Mona Lisa is probably his most famous work. Michelangelo's crowning achievement was painting the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. So God has created some amazing things, and I've, I've been able to, to witness them. I stood on the, the rim of the, the Grand Canyon and looked down and thought, why would anybody stand here? You're nuts. But So I've looked at that, and I marveled at, at his handiwork, and I've I I stood next to Niagara Falls and felt the mist of the water on my face and I've I've laid on my back in the middle of nowhere and looked up at the night sky and saw the billions of stars and I look at creation and I, I, I see all of these greatest hits, I see all these great things that God has created but the crowning achievement of our creator was none of those. The Bible tells us we're, we're not going to find this ranking of the best animals. He's not going to have like, the, I like this animal more than I like this animal. He's not going to say, well, I like Jupiter more than Saturn or anything like that. But there's one aspect of God's creation that God holds above everything else. See, as God created the universe, he looked over, he looked over everything and he remarked about how good it was. I want you to think about that that for a second. God looked over everything. God saw the Grand Canyon. And he looked at it and he said, nah, it's good. He looked at the moon. He saw the stars. He saw all the planets, uh, everything in the sky and said, it's good. All of nature, the things that we see, and it might take your your breath away. And the best adjective that God could pick to to describe all of it was, it's good. Good. Good is something that our kids say when you ask them how school was that day. How was school today? 
good, right? Perhaps God could have picked a, a more exciting word to describe his creation, but on that last day, on that last day, God picks up the dust of the ground and, and fashions and forms it into a person, and he breathes life into that body. But this is not just one, another part of his creation. The Bible tells us that unlike everything else that God created, he looked at mankind and made it in his image. And so you and I, human beings, are the only part of God's creation that were created in the Imago, Imago Dei. The Imago Dei, which means in the image of our creator. And so God finishes up his, his creation with a different description. He, he doesn't only see what he's created as good. He looks at the last things that he, that he created and he looks upon mankind and he says, now that is very good. Why are we very good? The answer to that lies in the question of why you and I were created in the first place. Our job as God's crowning achievement is to reflect the image of God. That's why we exist. It's to point towards his glory. And so what does that mean for, for us today? What, what implications are, are being made for our life that, that we are supposed to reflect the image of God? Now, we had pastor. Uh, our pastoral retreat, we were gone this whole week, and I apologize to you, did not have time to do sermon notes. So, but if you're taking notes somewhere, um, you can write this down. The lives that we were meant to live can only be experienced with the relationship with God. We cannot, we cannot reflect the image of God outside of a relationship with God. Colossians 1.16 says this, For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. And he made the things we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Now, no matter who you run into, uh, whether or not they, they know God, whether or not they realize that relationship they can have with God, deep inside every single person on this earth is a religious hunger. There's a yearning. There's a yearning inside every single person to connect to something that's bigger than themselves. It's what God has placed in us as his creation. But that can only be fulfilled, it can only be fulfilled when we have a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. You will only find the meaning behind your existence. You will only find your purpose in life inside of that relationship with Jesus. Everything else will leave you searching for a greater purpose. Everything else. But secondly, because we've been created in the image of God himself, our lives should reflect God's image to a broken and watching world. 
the Imago Dei, that image of God is, is more than just physical characteristics. It's, it's more than just a moral compass of the things that we should and we shouldn't do. See, the image of God is the, is the purpose behind our, our life. Men and women in a relationship with God need to reflect his image so that others can reflect his image. See, the purpose in our life is to be in a relationship with God so that his image is reflected so that others can see him and they too can be in a relationship with him so that they too can reflect his image so that someone else will see him and so on and so forth and that's the kingdom of God. But there's a problem. There's a problem in the reflection that that we have, and the problem is our sin. Sin has distorted the image that people see. See, sin compromises our relationship with God. It it compromises our mission uh, to reflect this perfect God because the images that somebody sees are no longer the images of a perfect God, but, but they see an inaccurate representation because of our sin. And so we're doomed to fail in our purpose of, of reflect, perfectly reflecting God unless he provides a way for that reflection to be cleared. And so he sent his son. He sent his son, fully God and fully man. The author of Hebrews says that Jesus was the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. And since Jesus is God, he is the perfect image bearer of the Father. Since he is God, he also perfectly lived out his mission to reflect that image to the world. Jesus never sinned, unlike us. Sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and since that time there has never been a perfect reflection of God to the rest of the world until the man named Jesus. So Jesus perfectly fulfilled the task of being the image bearer of the Father. But if if that's all Jesus did, if Jesus just gave us another picture of God, we'd still be left with this problem Jesus had to do something about the sin problem that all of us face. And now we could look at, at Scripture and see example of, of Jesus and how we are meant to live. We could follow his example and say, I need to do that and I need to, to do that as well. But we would be left unable to follow that because of our sin. We'd still be trapped with that sinful nature. And so Jesus didn't just live a perfect life, and then just say, well, just do as I did. No, he willingly gave his life so that the effect of our sins could be paid for. And because he gave his life for us, he he gives us that gift of that perfect salvation. And now, if we accept that gift, if we accept that salvation, the Father doesn't see us as the sin. The Father sees us as his Son. And that makes all the difference. Because Jesus gave his life, all we, as broken image bearers, all we have to do to have a relationship with Jesus is 
to repent of our sins, to believe in his death, to believe in his resurrection, and to receive by faith a newly created self. Where the old sinful self is gone and a new creation can take over. See, you and I cannot reflect a perfect God to a hurting world on our own. But if we put our faith in the perfect image bearer, Jesus, we are empowered to fulfill the original design that God has made mankind for. See, the the world doesn't need to see more of us. The world needs to see more of Jesus. And those who live by faith in Jesus can experience that that transforming power of God remaking you into his image. That video that we we played, again, I want to remind you of these words. It says, this world needs more than love, above all, more compassion. So should you take action? Are you the one or should we keep waiting? No rush. But while you are hesitating, there's someone somewhere within your reach who needs to learn what you can teach. Should you take action? Should you be the one to to show compassion? Are you reflecting the glory of your creator? In that video, it says no rush. But while you're hesitating, there's someone within your reach that needs to learn what you can teach. The world needs to see Jesus in you it's what you have been created for the world doesn't need another version of me this world needs Jesus are we reflecting Jesus to a hurting world are we doing what he has created us to do let's pray together Heavenly Father, we thank you that at the sound of your voice, all of creation was made. Lord, we thank you for for your handiwork and all of that creation and the beauty of nature and all those things that we can see, the, the intricacies of life, even on a cellular and microscopic level. We thank you, Lord, that you are the great designer and creator and you have created all of life that we know all of creation that we can see, and even the things, as Scripture says, the things we don't even know about, you are still the creator of all of it. And Lord, you look at it and you say it's good. But then you created man. You created mankind and you look at us and you because we are supposed to be reflecting your image, you look at us and say, now that is very It's very good because we need to reflect you. And Lord, remind us that we can only do that in a relationship with you and your son. We cannot reflect the image of Christ to a hurting world outside of that relationship. And so, Lord, I pray for, for those that are here and maybe even those that are listening online today or maybe sometime in the future as they come across this video. Lord, would you speak to your creation today? Would you reveal things in our life that we need to give up to you that are not reflecting your image? 
Lord, there may be things in our, in our life that we are not proud of, things, Lord, that you need to mold, things, Lord, uh, that, that you uh, need to cut out and prune and take care of in our lives. And so, Lord, may we give that over to you so that we can more perfectly reflect your image to a world that needs you. Lord, you could have created all of creation taken away our ability to choose for ourselves and called us good. But you didn't. You gave us the opportunity, Lord, to follow you and to reflect your son. And you call us very good. Lord, may we reflect your son to a hurting world. May we accept your new creation in our life, even this morning. May we accept what you are doing in and through us, a purpose of our life, Lord, to reflect your image to a hurting world. May we do that. May PFN, could we do that? Could Southside do that? Could Summit do that? Could we be that reflection to our schools, to our work? To those that we come into contact with, Lord, may we reflect you. We love you, Jesus. Not only for creating us, but to give us a purpose here on earth. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have done. And praise you in anticipation of what you can do with us in the future. We love you, and it is a privilege to reflect you to a hurting world. And it's in your name that we pray. And all of us say together, amen. Go and reflect the image of God to a hurting world. I love you.